Next Chapter Podcast. Welcome to Thick Skin with Jock and Hawk. I'm your boy, Double J, Jock Jones. And I'm Lut Troy Hawkins. This show is called Thick Skin because you have to have thick skin to be in the spotlight. Whether you're a professional athlete like me and Hawk who played in the big leagues or you're an entertainer, the media will come after you. So you better get ready. We're here to tell it like it is. Correcting the media when they get it wrong, and they do, and dive deep into the world of sports, all sports, and entertainment from an athlete's perspective. We got a great show for you today. I'm kind of excited, not kind of, I'm really excited about this. We got our boy D Train, Dontrell Willis. Make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get it cracking off. What's up, D Train? Hey, hey, super excited, man. You know how I feel about both you guys, man. So I'm honored to get on it. A little nervous because I see, Jock, your teeth is shining right now. So I know you want to get into it and keep it real. But uh, I'm honored to be on this show, man, and proud of both of you guys, man. Thank man, we, we're, we're equally proud of you, man. And congratulations. I know, I don't, I don't know. Well, maybe I'll let the cat out the bag, but you, but you signed a, a three-year deal with Fox. So congratulations bro keep doing your thing it's, it's a joy watching you on tv it's actually a joy watching you grow from the first couple shows to now dude you, you're doing a fantastic job on that show d thank you man um i'm blessed man and you know how it is man you, you, you're blessed to be able to work around people that care about mm-hmm. you care about your craft um want to see you grow and so uh it's it's been a fun ride, um, and a, it's been a, a really really fun to kind of make my niche on the TV side. And so, you know, people at the country club like, man, you're good. I'm like, yeah, I know, right? You know, because they they know I'm full of it too. So you know, I mean, it's a good balance of, of, of the two. But uh, I'm very blessed to work around some of the best in the business. D, you have to be able to talk trash. You know, we're all good at that. But you know, I think talk about how. Most people think you just get up there and talk about the game. That's it. They don't understand, like, the homework that goes involved. When you got producers, you know, you got everything that you need to talk about. You got to be very, very well-versed in each team that you're you're calling that game that night. You know, um, studio is a lot different than calling a game. You know, um, studio, uh, especially when you have a host and a partner, is a lot of song and dance. And so you have to be able to understand – where your partner's going to go so you don't step on their toes and, and repeat the same thing they say. Uh, and in a game call, you know, it, it's kind of the same thing, but, you know, it's a longer variation of three hours. So if you don't do your homework as far as knowing who's going to come out of the bullpen in certain situations, how they've been throwing, knowing certain hitters in certain situations, why did they chase the ball down in the zone? You know, why did they change eye level? Those are certain things that you definitely have to converse and, and, and also put your own spin on things in your own experience as well. So I think good game callers have a balance of the both, the knowledge of the game, but also putting the, the viewer in the position of, hey, this is what I felt like in this position and this is why he wasn't successful or he was successful right so your name nickname d-train can you explain to the audience where it came from there's been conflicting reports but we want to hear from <laughs> the D-train. um uh, one of my favorite teammates of all time aj burnett um uh, was one of our captains uh he was out for the season and uh him brad plenty and and derrick lee who y'all know d lee d lee's just the, the 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 best one of the best guys on earth and so they, they 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 vouched for me to get called up and so 
you know, I get called up and I'm all green out there. You know, I just want to be part of the gang and what have you. And, you know, I have this nice little run, you know, where I won about five, six games in a row. And all of a sudden the media starts to kind of, you know, jump on board. And so AJ was around and he was actually my locker mate. And he said, we're going to call you the D train. Now I'm from Oakland, California. The D train means something else. You know, when they say the D train, you know what I mean? But but uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, and I, I looked at him and I said, what does that mean? He says, we're going to go as far as you take us. And the media just ran with it. And literally, like, my next start, people had train whistles and conductor hats. And even till this day, probably, like, half the people that meet me don't even know my name is Dontrell. <laughs> they just call me D-Train and stuff like that. So, you know, but it, it, was, it was a cool nickname and it stuck. And uh, now my, even my daughter, her name is Bianca, she's. She has everybody call B-train. her B-train, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I so love it. I love it, it. It's pretty cool to have one of the nicknames of the game. Dontrell, you, you mentioned, you know, you ran off about five or six victories when you got – you had sort of a meteoric rise, dog, um, the first year in the big leagues. Like, you just came out of nowhere, right? AJ goes down, goes on the DL. <clears throat> you get called up. You're in a, 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 a pennant race. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like you said, you're from Oakland. Right. And I, I like to tell people, hey, man, where we come from, that ain't nothing. You know what I'm saying? What, what we do is nothing because that's how we grew up. Talk about that year and you were thrust into this position and how you just, you know, what went through your mind and how you how are you able to navigate that situation and, and produce the things that you produced? Now, I know you guys can relate to this because both you guys were leaders in your locker room. Uh Derek Lee and Juan Pierre put their arm around me and and taught and taught me the ins and outs and how to stay humble, how to work hard. I mean, I trained with Juan Pierre. That man was up at five in the morning, every morning religiously, having me run polls, having me do the little things, teaching me how to bunt, you know, doing the little things. And so I was I was extraordinarily blessed to have guys that liked me, that cared about me. And I never wanted to upset them. So I mean I, I used to go on the plane and, like, have, like, 40 cheeseburgers and fries after going to a complete game, catching cramps, trying to get these bags of beer on the plane for these guys because I just wanted to be part of the group. And when you see that about a young guy that's having success, you want to put their arm around him. And they wanted to run through a wall for me as a young player. So I, I always credit my squad behind me, man. You know what I mean? It, you know, especially a pitcher. It, it, it's easy to lose a game, but it's very difficult to win one game in a big league. So when, when guys care about you, man, and, and really want to see you succeed, um, it made it a lot easier to transition as a rookie in the big leagues. And when you talk about how the Juan Pierre and Derek Lee and those guys embraced you, that says a lot about you and your character and who you are because a lot of times when guys come up, like Jock said, it, that meteoric rise – Sometimes the head gets big, and now you got being a leader on a team, being a veteran, you got to kind of like make sure it don't get too big. But your head didn't get too big, and those guys embraced you and made your transition. Even though you was having a lot of success on the field, they wanted to ensure that you had success all the time, not just on the field, off the field as well. I didn't like it. I'm To be honest with you, I didn't like all of a sudden these groves of fans. And again, it's Miami. So all of a sudden we're getting 25, 30,000 people. So that's a lot of people. You know what I mean? And, and the conductor hats and the train whistles and the what you talking right. about, Willis right. signs everywhere. And it was just like, it was like they all knew. I was like, I don't like this, man. I, you know, being an only child, you know, you have a characteristic oftentimes to just want to be part of the group and be accepted. And I just wanted to be part of the group. And again, 
We had Josh Beckett and Carl Pavano. I'm the worst one out of the group. It's like ring the lefty in. We don't want to see these fireball right-handers and what have you. So big curveball. Yeah, right. So again, like one the one thing that was cool was once we kind of catapulted into a pennant race, that helped us with the fandom and having a home field advantage because usually Miami is a place where the opposing crowd is more deafening than the home crowd. So it helped us, but they, they, they'll they all tell you, they was like, he didn't like any of that D-train stuff. He didn't like none of that stuff. But, uh, you know, you, when you see that and you see that sincerity in somebody that just wants to be part of the group, again, they put their arm around you. That's what's up. Yeah, and you talk about, and I know Hawk touched on it a little bit with the with the guys embracing you, but who are some of the other people down trail that that helped mold you and 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 make you into the person you were to have you know the success you had and to be able to keep a even kill and and get to the big leagues and not let too much of that stuff go to your head. We we like I read up on on you and and I'm gonna tell you right now, and Hawk will tell you I'm a mama's boy. Okay, and ain't and, nothing wrong with it. And so I read somewhere where where someone is affectionately known as Mama Willis. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to that and how how that relationship was between you and your mom and and and, and how that helped mold you into who you were as a baseball player and a person? Man, um, she's my hero, man. Like uh, she's an extraordinarily fun lady. Um, you see where I get it from, right when she walks in the room. Uh, extremely hard worker taught me how to work hard at an early age. I mean, she's a welder now a foreman. So, you know, I've seen her scarred up. I've seen her, you know, with flash burn with her eyes, you know what I mean? When I was in high school and, and be blinded, um, she's got war scars all over her from just being around hot metal. And so, you know, it, it, it the, the hard work component came from her, you know what I mean? And she says, man, you go out there and you give it your all no matter what you're doing. You know what I mean? And and this world is not made for the weak. And again, you don't expect a woman to, to, to have that kind of verbiage, but she was just telling me the real world of what's out there. And she's like, if you want to be an iron worker or if you want to be a baseball player, well, God dang it, you got to go out there and give it your all. It, 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 and so she was always there and, and, and she was a softball player. So, you know, I remember the days when I was in Little League throwing to my mother where everybody was throwing to their dad. And even though my mother was a better player than half the dads out there and, and what have you. And so, but she, we're, 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 we're avid A's fans. And, and, and uh, I, I thank God for the Oakland Athletics and, and the San Francisco Giants because my mom, you know, took me to a lot of ball games and, and told me like the nuances of, of the game that a lot of parents don't, don't see because she grew up around softball she's like did you see him hit the cutoff man did you see him take the extra base did you see him throw that backdoor breaking ball it's like what mama talks like that you know what i mean so she instilled a lot of the game in me to where i was like okay and then obviously once i saw dave stewart and she knew dave stewart i guess they they knew each other from high school so once i saw dave stewart i was like man i want to be a baseball player and nothing else so i I thank god for my mom to really just instill the love for the game and the passion for the game in me early Growing up in Alameda, Oakland, mm-hmm. also known as the town, like the culture in, you know, in, in that area, give us, tell us, talk about the culture that you grew up around. You know, the, 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 the town, it, the, the, the town is, a, it's a beautiful place of this, like, you learn everything about the world in a small proximity. So you learn where not to go, what not to say athletics hard nose out athletics too like you know if you if you scraped up hey walk it off 
pour some peroxide on it. Let's get back on it. Like it, it, it's an area where like, even to this day, you want your name to ring out. And so once my mom started getting some money, she moved me to a town called Alameda, <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is right next door. And so I was very, I was, I was very blessed. I was very blessed to see the inner city and how they lived and then the suburbs of how they lived. And so it was a balance between the both of them. So I felt like it made me uh, culturally well-rounded. I played with a lot of black kids. I played with a lot of white kids and, you know, and, and to be accepted in both worlds, ball is ball. And so, you know what I mean? So I, I really love that. My mom said, Hey, I'm going to sacrifice, you know, leaving my son, you know, at night in the fourth, fifth grade, you know what I mean, to, to provide him a better life. And, and so, but uh, as far as the town, man, it's town business, man. It's a lot of good ballers that come out of there in every single sport. It's intense. It's dogs everywhere. And they push you and talk trash to want you to, to see what you made of. And so I, I love going back there, man, because uh, me and Cece always talk about it. Cece Sabathia talking about this going to the Bay because – you want your name to ring out because you represent your neighborhood. It was like, it was like, you, you remember that dude, Don Trump Willis? You remember that dude, CC Sabathia? It's like, you want your name to ring out. So I love the food. I love the culture. And I really, I love the grittiness and the toughness of where I came from. You're from the North and Jock is from the South. Like uh-huh. what type of, like, is there a beef between the NorCal and SoCal or, you know, how is it? Cause I always tell Jock, the first time I met Jock, I said, man, you talk like a proper gangster, dude. You talk like a gangster. I told him, man, you grew up in La Jolla, uh, right to the dean of students at USC. <laughs> so there a between NorCal and SoCal. You, you know what? I'm going to keep it 100, man. We, we feel like in the North, we, we have a chip towards the South because we want them to acknowledge that they mess with us. Like, y'all know y'all mess with us. You got a cousin in Hayward. You got a cousin in San Francisco. You know you like our food. Stop dogging us. You know what I mean? Like, you don't – because we mess with L.A. We love San Diego. We love L.A. We got cousins and family down there. Uh, I have an aunt that lived in Pasadena, so I love going down there. They just don't like giving us our proper due. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> um, 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 listen, 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 listen. Listen, and like you used to say, I'm gonna keep it funky with you. I'm gonna keep it funky with you. I'm gonna keep it funky with you. Hey, town business, you know what I'm saying? I mess with E40. Be legit was one of my favorite rappers growing up. You know, Richie Rich. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, like Bay Area. Like, you know, yeah, Area. Those was my guys, and and E40 is my guy. I met E40, and we became good friends. You know what I'm saying? So we messed with my my mom's husband from Big Joe from uh from up up north in the Bay Area. Huh? Uh huh. Uh huh. And, and I didn't do too bad when I went up to the north to play ball. You know what I'm saying? So you got like, your foot down on us too. You got your foot down on us. You got your foot down. You got your foot so, down hey, on us. So uh-huh. I, I I got a homeboy from from San Diego. Slick who mess with a bunch of dudes from the Bay. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? So we acknowledge the Bayhawk. We acknowledge the Bay. It ain't, ain't nothing wrong with the Bay. It just ain't not, nothing too pretty at night because it's cold. But, <laughs> but we mess with the Bay. <laughs> it's cold. It's always cold in the Bay. <laughs> it's cold. Yeah, it, it gets chilly up there. That's why I love night games in San Francisco and Oakland. Those day <laughs> games. You can have them because the ball getting up out of there quick. And yeah, that ain't no yeah. We love with the nighttime. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I ain't fooling you. You know the crazy thing, though? Like, even within the Bay Area, 
the town in San Francisco we call the city, yeah. that's more of a kind of a rivalry between East there Bay because we we in the East Bay we feel kind of overlooked. Like yep. as citizens, like yep. every time something happens good, it happens in, in the city. Like the yep. Warriors move from Oakland and then they move to the city and change the whole infrastructure of that whole area that they move to. And so there's a little rivalry in that. But again, once the Bay unites, especially against those SoCal boys and those North-South games, you know what I mean? We, we get our foot down mm-hmm. on them a couple of times. But you know, <laughs> I, I, I love being a Cali guy and representing us. And, and, and I feel like we're all from the same cloth. That's what's up. So, listen, I know we touched earlier on you having success in the big leagues. You were rookie of the year. You know, you made a couple all-star teams. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you you were just doing it. But then you came to a point in your career where you were in Detroit and we were teammates. When I say mm-hmm. brief, we were teammates briefly because I was only there for about three and a half weeks. <laughs> And they shipped me out of there. But you were going through some mental health issues, dude. And, and I know we used to have conversations and stuff like that. How did you battle through that, Dontrell, and then come back on the other side and go out and, 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 and you know, kind of pick up and resurrect your career? You want to you talk about that? Absolutely. Um, to be honest with, with you, uh, having you as a teammate, I was sick. I, I, I'm going to tell a story from my perspective mm-hmm. on this, bro. Please do. When when Jock got released, I remember helping him load up his uh, H2 Hummer, and yep. I was livid. I was livid. Yep. I was livid because I have a lot of respect for him and how he was handling it. He was upset eternally, but he handled it, and he, he went down to the cage every day and tried to find it. I remember he hit a home run, and he flew mm-hmm. around the bases so hard. And he must have broke Lloyd McClendon's arm because it was just like a frustration. <laughs> and so how he handled himself, how people handle themselves in adversity says a lot about who they are. Everybody's mm-hmm. nice when they're winning. Mm-hmm. Right. How you, what, kind, what kind of teammate are you when you're struggling? And so I prayed a lot. Um, I leaned on my family, to be honest with you. Um, I was like, man, like, and, you, and you've been in those depths. I mean, because you're like, what happened? What went wrong? Like, I, I want this bad. I work hard. You know, I pay my taxes. Like, what the hell's going on? Like, you know what I'm saying? And so, yep. but but it's it's the ebb and flows of, 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 of sport um, and playing against the best in the world. And so, I you know, I look back on that and I don't think I'd be in the position I'm in now if I, if I handled it, you know, griping about the team and griping about my teammates and griping about my play. It right. just sucked that I had the yips. And I had to mentally overcome and really just to be honest with you, find the joy of why I really loved baseball, because I can tell you this much. And I, and I tell kids this in the minor leagues when I work with the kids in the Dodgers, I was making $12 million and I didn't look at one damn check when I had the yips. I didn't care. I did not care. I did not want to see a check. That's I felt a like a, I was robbing them. I, I, you know, in, in Detroit, a lot of people don't know this, but in Detroit, everybody's Tigers fans. So you can't even yeah. get something to eat without somebody coming out their mouth and stuff yeah. like that. It, yeah. It's like, you know what I mean? So you really had to face that head on and, and, and be humble. And so, you know, the one thing that um, a lot of the front office people um, will tell you, and even Justin Verlander will tell you, he's like, man, Don Trell through all that. He was a good teammate. He wanted to see us succeed. He wanted to see us win. He'd be on the bench. I mean, I, I'll be honest. They had me driving to throw bullpens in Toledo. They were so sick of me. They were so sick of me. They were so sick of me. So, uh, but again, 
I, I wouldn't change a thing because God told me to go through that and it made me a better person uh, in the end. Yeah, we're big on mental health because it used to, people didn't believe it back in the day. Right. They didn't believe it. So now when you hear an athlete that come out comes out and speaks about it, like you did, like I always think about Kevin Love, like, man, you guys impacted more people than you can even imagine. You can imagine because now it's real. Mm-hmm. It's, it's always been real. But now I see the guy, you know, Cy Young, Black Ace, All-Star, World Series champion, NBA champion. They feel like we do. Yeah. Now it's real. And, you, and, know, and, you know, to be honest, man, like, and, and like, I would be on the mound and I would feel so disconnected, disconnected. Honestly, I felt so disconnected. I couldn't have thrown that ball in the Pacific. And so, you know what I mean? It, it, it's a tough feeling to go out there and try to compete like that. And so when I overcame the yips with the Cincinnati Reds, you know what it took? It took Dusty Baker to just put his arm around me and say, hey, man, we just want you to be yourself. Mm. And it, all my shoulders and all this stuff just released down from me. And I just went out there and I just competed and had fun. And every team that I played against, guys from from the team to the locker room, they would come up to me like, we're so proud of you, man. We're yep. so proud yep. of you, bro. Because yep. when you have the yips, it's a death sentence. It's a death sentence in baseball. Yep. It's death. Yep. And so yep. to be able to overcome that and make it back to the big leagues, you know, I was very proud of myself. I, I was definitely proud of you. Like I said, I went through that, uh, uh, brief, like I said, briefly with you. I was pulling for you. We had com- plenty of conversations. You know what I'm saying? And and I was going through my own stuff, you know, there. But it, it didn't matter because, like, you was going through stuff that I felt was worse than mine. So, you know what I'm saying? And, and like Hawk always said, man, you, be there for your teammates. And and I, I felt like, you know, you needed me more than I needed to deal with my other stuff. And so I, that, that was probably, you know, the the part about me leaving there was like, man, I left you and I left Marcus and, and, and you know, guys who I, you know, developed. And I knew you guys, but I didn't know you guys until I was around you guys every day. So I'm, I'm proud of you that you was able to go through that, man, and come back out on the other side. Thank you, bro. I appreciate that. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yep. You know, that, that bond of being a professional athlete, and especially that baseball fraternity that we're a part of, and when we shrink it down even further – with us being African-Americans, like, man, that gives you goosebumps because we're all connected, man. We're all connected because of this guy right here, and we're continuing to do the work that he started. You, you know, Jock, Jock, me and Jock lived in the same building, and he would call me, and he'd be like, hey, we're going to eat. He wouldn't even ask me. Like, you know what I mean? And he would hang out in my living room. We used to watch Martin, and he was a big brother, man. And, and, and you got to understand, bro, like, you, Tori, you guys, you guys were heroes. Man, I remember being like, man, they got some Negroes on the Minnesota Twins that be balling. Like, you, these dudes be balling, bro. Like, I, like it, it, And so to be a teammate with a guy and see their makeup, it was like, okay, now I see why he's good. Now I see why he's successful. This dude is a dog, bro. Like, And so for y'all to be my big brothers, man, it's like, dude, I, I appreciate it every – me and this dude watched nine episodes of Martin one night. Just hanging out. Just vibing. Just vibing. You know, so – but I appreciated all of that, and I needed that to really get through that. But, you know, to be part of that group that we had, we start with Matt Lawton, myself, Eddie Guardado, you know, 
you know, we picked who we wanted in that group because we thought we knew our group was special. So when Jock came along, we was like, he's going to be in our group. We heard him in the minor leagues. We was like, okay. Madden was like, yeah, we're going to bring him to our group, and we're going to treat him like a little brother, and we're going to, we're going to give him everything he needs to be successful. All he's going to have to do is go out there and make he catch the ball, throw the ball, and hit that son of a bitch. That's it. Mm-hmm. Everything mm-hmm. else his big brother is going to take care of. Mm-hmm. We got you off the field. You need everything we do so you can focus 100% totally on baseball. And he was able to do it. I'm glad that he was – he actually paid it for it. That's why we do it because somebody did it to me. Somebody did it to him. Did it to him. He did it to you. I'm damn sure for sure you did it to somebody else. And that's how it works, man. That's exactly how it works. And that's the way it's, it's designed to work. Exactly. And, that, and I'll never forget, man, Puck and Chili and Winnie and, and you know, mm-hmm. being across from Eric Davis and Barry Larkin and those guys. Man, pay it forward. We're going to give you the game. For you to pass it down. And then when they when you pass it down, you make sure that they pass it down. Like like Hawk mm-hmm. and Law bought me suits. You know what I'm saying? So when I was able to be in a position to buy a guy, I bought them suits. You know what I'm saying? Hey, mm-hmm. with the next people, they're gonna be struggling. Make sure you take care of them. And it, it should just keep going and going and going, like Jackie Robinson did all of us and, and everybody before us. He 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 paved the way <clears throat> to make a way for us. So that was our job to make sure we did it, and I'm glad I, I'm glad that you appreciated it, and I'm glad that you accepted my 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 words of wisdom, my words of help, you know, my my embrace as my little brother, because because mm. we we one of my buddies, it, 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 a good girlfriend of mine, he always says, "We all we got." I like your mama, if you're looking for help anywhere else, you're in trouble. Like like Mama Willis said, mm-hmm. this world would it will beat you up if you allow it, but if you mm-hmm. got good brothers around you and good people around you. It don't beat you up nearly as much. And, and you know, it, it's crazy because, like, I, I've been on television now for nine years, and Fox, like, even the higher ups, and a guy that I'm close with, Kevin Burkhart, who does the Super Bowl, he does the playoffs. He's the he, he's the best. Like his heart, he's the best. And they saw me my first two years, and I'm messing up on shows, and I'm trying to be someone else. And you know, I'm trying to be the Black Peter Gammons, and they're like, finally, they're just like. Hey, man, just be yourself, bro. You prepared. Just go out there and have fun. And so I, I appreciate those 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 uh, those meetings of men, those meetings of men. They're very important, man, in, in this world. And so, you know, again, when you see a dude that you mess with and that you care with, that you know that will run a wall, run to a wall for you. Mm-hmm. I, I truly, I truly appreciate those relationships. And that's what that reminds me of when you did that for me. So I'm forever indebted for to Kevin Burkhardt. I mm-hmm. called him when I re-signed. He said, you owe me a bottle of champagne. I said, I'll buy you 10. <laughs> I'll buy you 10 the way they're paying me now. But uh, no, it's a, it, 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 I'm very thankful to have relationships like that. Most definitely. Uh, Kevin was with the, uh, with the Mets. He did Mets mm-hmm. games when I was there in 13. So we became really good friends. I just took a picture of the screen and sent it to him. I said, I got your boy on the show tonight. Whenever I see him on TV, I always send him a text message because, you know what? Kevin is phenomenal at his job. Phenomenal at his job. So so I'll tell you I'll tell you a quick story. Like, he, he was talking to me, and he was like, man, you know, can we talk for a second? I'm like, yeah, KB, whatever you need, baby. And he was like, man, I think they might consider me for the Super Bowl. I said, we in the building. I said, we in the, we in the building. 
Like, what's wrong with you? Like, we don't turn down no chips with dip. Like, you're from New Jersey. We don't turn that down. And, and so I, I got on air and I called him Super Bowl Burkhardt. I, I said, Super Bowl Burkhardt. He looked at me like, don't give me fire, Negro. I said, no, nah, the money come home. I said, the money coming home. So I said, now nah, he got a cabin in Big Bear Lake or somewhere. I said, uh-huh. the money come home. So nah, but, mm-hmm, he did the Super Bowl. Absolutely. So, mm-hmm, yeah. So very proud of him. Very, very proud of him. I'm always at the Super Bowl, so I never on TV. I'm sorry. I ain't oh, sorry. Lord. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. We, we don't know Patty. We don't all know Patty Mahomes like you know Patty Mahomes. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, Don Trail. Uh, so what do you do outside? We, we know you had a, a, a great baseball career. We know you in the midst of having a great broadcasting career. What do you do outside of, of broadcasting? And 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 you know what do you do to 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 ease your mind or, or are you excited because I I mean I know you know the last time I saw you was you know me you and Jay Hare was somewhere and I, I like I didn't get an invite back after that so, so <laughs> what are the things you like to do outside of broadcast? Hey, let me let, let, let me tell you something. Don't tell that lie on me. Don't tell my lie on TV. We supposed to keep that in house. You talking about all we got is us. Don't be telling that lie like that, Ricky Bobby. Don't put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. Um, I, I you know what? I I love golfing, man. Well, first and foremost, I have four wonderful daughters, yep. man. Yep. I have four wonderful daughters, man, four? and uh, four daughters. Yes, yep. and, and they. They they they're a blessing, man. But they are Willis's, so they be they be raising hell. So they they're, uh-huh. they're good kids. Um, mm-hmm. But but I love golfing, man. And to be honest with you, I wish I would have played golf when I played baseball because a lot of the mental attributes are the same. And so if you think on a golf course, hey man, don't hit that ball in the water. That ball gonna go in the water. Hey. Hey, don't walk this guy. Man, you know damn well he about to walk this guy or give up a home run. Like, yeah. So the energy, the battle within, uh, I love the golf course. And obviously last time I I, I saw my man, uh, I took him to my country club and he gave me a nice whooping. But uh, I'm better now, though. You know it's coming. I'm better now. I just wanted to get my game Trump tight so next time I see you, you know, I can get some get some revenge on you. But uh, no, I just, man, I, I play a lot right. of golf. Play a lot of golf. I just wanted to know if you remember that or not. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming. Hey, hey, listen, two, since you're talking on your podcast, I better be invited to your golf tournament up in yeah, San Diego, I'm, too. I'm going to make sure of it. And we, we're in the process of getting another date. It'll probably be 2025 in February, probably the first week of February. So you won't be working or you will mm-hmm. be working, but you won't be in the midst of the season. So I'll make sure that you're there. And, I, I, and maybe I'll get an invite when you and Jay Hare play golf or something in L.A. because I'm only like right down the street. You know what? I'm going to tell it on this podcast with his light skin self. Jay Hare be everybody fourth. Jay Hare be everybody fourth. Yeah, he don't set true. up nothing. Yeah. Jay Hare will piggyback on everybody round and act like he missed the jump man or Mr. Cobra. He got all that stuff for free. That's right. I'm snitching. I'm yeah, snitching on him. He get all that mean. stuff for free. But, so, but, but, yeah. but, listen, but listen, like you got no excuse either because you just signed a you know, three-year deal and like you might have a cabin <laughs> in, in, in Big Bear. So, you know, maybe I can be like your second or third. You know what I'm saying? Like, like. Like, hey, like, let me. Hey. I, I like I like you and Latroy better than I like Jay here, and I gotta work with that fool all the time. So I'll bring y'all out all day, every day. All so right. it's nothing. Right. I I got you. I got you. I got y'all both, man. They they say pour some Hennessy for me after I get this birdie, Latroy. I got yeah. you. I got you. <laughs> yeah. D D train. So besides doing the TV, 
your special assistant with the Dodgers. Could you talk about what your what your job consists of? I mean, we still trying to figure that out in this year three. I mean, I just kind of walk around. No, I'm just playing. Uh, uh, Will Rhymes, who used to be with the Tigers, he's the farm director for the Dodgers. He does an amazing job. Obviously, we all know that the Dodgers have a lot of talent and a lot of prospects. Um, he built that position for me when I sense a kid that's spinning on the mound because I can recognize it because I went through it. So if I see a kid that's struggling with his confidence, you know, uh, you know, I, I go to them and be like, hey, man, I've been there. What do you feel on the mound? Because uh, oftentimes people just look at player A and player B, but we're all humans out there. And what comes in your mind from the neck up, you know what I mean? It sometimes can get in your way. And so yep. I felt I very, very proud to be able to be part of that organization. It's a first-class organization, obviously a lot of talent. And I'm forthcoming about my struggles, which kind of lets the wall down and, and allow other people to talk about their struggles. And so I think I can articulate that very well about how I felt on the mound. And so yeah. to a young guy, this is our life. This is our life, man. This is live or die. You live or die with every pitch. And so when you're struggling out there, man, you I think other people can kind of sense it. And so that's kind of like my role out there to kind of help them just kind of just enjoy the game and go out there and compete at the highest level. Right. So doing the same thing with the twins, do you feel as if when you're helping a guy, you really don't help them with, you know, their pitches and all that is always from the neck up. Mm -hmm. For me, I feel like it's always from the neck up because when you start getting into everything they got going on with pitching with the, with the rap soto, the track, man, they got the, you know, the high definition camera and all that stuff, you know, it kind of, I know a lot about it, but I do understand, too, that when I impact somebody, I impact them from the neck up. Mm -hmm. yeah, man, I look at that iPad, and it's like a running joke, especially with our analytic group that's phenomenal. I'm looking at the iPad. I'm like, one potato, two potato. I'm like, I don't know. Listen, throw the ball down. Like, just throw the ball down. Like, you know what I mean? Like, So they've they, they done a good job of bringing different experiences to kind of balance and help mold guys. It's not all analytics, but analytics does help you tell a story. And so yeah. I think it's, it's, it's important. Now, I do be, I am very honest with the kids. It's like, hey, man, this is not rec league. Y'all all got good stuff or y'all wouldn't be here. You know what I mean? So you guys are all professionals here. So, you know, you got to believe in your stuff and your talents to be able to get these talented hitters out. And sometimes in our head, we give the hitter too much credit and vice versa. You know what I mean? And so go out there and have fun and compete. And if this is your last throw, how do you want to go out? And so when you explain it in that form, you see this energy go up. I'm like, okay, if this is my last throw, like, do you want to die on your feet or live on your knees, so to speak? You know what I mean? And so uh, they, they understand that I'm, I'm real with them. And I tell these kids now, though, I'm like, I need to see y'all run a little more poles because I start to see y'all sweating at pitch 18, and that's unacceptable, you know what I mean, with this pitch clock. But uh, other than that, though, I'm very proud of those guys and how they work because, man, the Dodger organization at every level has some serious talent, man. So if you don't bring it every day, man, you you definitely can be fall by the wayside. They do a great job with player development, man, a mm -hmm. great job. Um, what, what have you learned the most about player development in your job that you did know being a player? Man, that's a great question. Um, there's a couple components, like, I mean – I did a speech in front of the uh, 
the whole like our all our staff and, and the players had to be two, three hundred people. And, you know, I made a joke saying like, man, you guys got it good, man. You guys got meal prep. I came from the Marlins where I got in the fight over the orange in the minor leagues, man. Like you guys got it good. Like, so take advantage of this. Take advantage of, you know, the, the, the take advantage of the analytic stuff. Take a uh, take advantage of the pitch shape. Take advantage of the work ethic, the gyms, the meal prep. Because coming up, we didn't have all that. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's not coming from a jealousy point. It's just like they're gonna do everything to get you successful, just to get to the next level. But at the same time, it's a numbers game, and there's a draft every year. So they're gonna. So sometimes there's talent that this gets on the chopping block. So the th- the biggest thing I've learned is. Um, and I knew this, but now in the background, life's not fair. It's not fair, man. And, and, and you need to be good and you need to be lucky. You need to be blessed to be a big leaguer because you're going to need all those components. And so being in the background of, of, of kind of embracing kids and then all of a sudden you, do, you don't see them there anymore. That's tough. That was the toughest component for me. See, see I, I always say that <clears throat> the guys who last the longest are more mentally tough than you know the other guys right <clears throat> everybody can play some guys a little bit better than others but it's the guys with the short-term memory or the shortest term memory who can forget things and move forward right like 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 you were talking about rap soto and analytics and all this stuff yeah that's great man but dusty used to always say talking to dusty right man i don't care <clears throat> excuse me i don't care about any of that stuff I want some exit hits. When they talk about exit velocity, I'm like, I want some exit hits because that's the only thing that mattered to me. Hits, right? Getting people out in y'all case. You know what I'm saying? You you you, you have to have the balance of it. Yeah. And, and you oh, have yeah. to have the balance. You have to have the balance. And and sometimes, man, you just have to have that dog in you to be like, he's yep. not beating me today. Yep. He's not beating me today. And, and, and both you guys did that amazing job having that in you. It's like, I don't care who it is. You know, it's funny because every time I see Joe Maurer, we talk about it. So me and Joe Maurer came up against each other. So I'm like, this dude in Quad Cities, man, he stayed getting on a barrel every time. But what I started to do is I started to watch and follow swings. And so in the minor leagues, I've learned early how to follow a swing. So people Mm -hmm. are like, man, this lefty throwing it by people at 91. And why can't these do that throwing 97? I'm like, well, I ain't throwing it where he barreling that. You know what I mean? So, so So I learned early to pay attention to stuff and not just right down the chart in the stands and eat my hot dog. I'm like, oh, he can hit that. He can hit the breaking ball. Okay, let me try to rush him next time. You know, so... I think that gave me an edge over a lot of people that had more better stuff than I did coming right. up in the ranks. Mm-hmm. Right. I posted a video yesterday because yesterday was the 12th year that I, on that day I signed with the Mets That's and nice. it showed the slider fastball. And I sent the video to some people that I know that are these people. Yeah. And one of my friends sent me back this long text message. Well, you know, I don't know about the, you know, the camera angle was bad. Don't know how much, you know, vertical your vertical approach was and this and that. It just went down this whole thing. And I just wrote back, the hitter, one of the best hitters in the world, let me know. The hitters will let you know how good your stuff is. Yeah. At the end of the day, yeah. that's all I said. Yeah. Quick story. Quick story. Um, I'm facing Pedro uh, in New York. Uh, we're winning two to one. Uh, they get runners on first and second with two outs in the seventh or eighth. And so Mike Piazza didn't play that day. 
So he comes off the bench, and they the, the stadium just starts to shake. So I fall behind him 2-0. And so Paul LaDuca, and I don't know if you played against him, but Paul LaDuca is a great gamesmanship. So he comes out there, and we have a mound visit. And he's like, you know, our pitching coach, Mark Wiley, was like, so uh, I'm thinking about throwing a changeup, which is my third worst pitch to this guy. I'm like, and so it was like a movie. Me and Paula Duca was like, mm, mm, mm. and so Paula Duca's like, we're going to rush Mike Piazza because he's cold. He's been on the bench for the whole game. We're going to go fastball in. And if we lose him, so what? We have an open base. But train, I need this ball on his belt. Lo and behold, I threw three fastballs by him at 95 and fist pumped him. But the point was, it was the gamesmanship of it. Like, Paul LaDuca saw something that we, we didn't. And so, it's like, I would have thrown him some BS changeup, and he would have hit that thing off that apple mm-hmm. like you do, mm-hmm. and we would have lost the game. But <clears throat> the gamesmanship that analytics can't necessarily take, teach you in that moment, Paul LaDuca saw. And so, you know, it, it, it's the balance of the two that you have to have, especially in this game, to be successful. Yep, it, it's uh, and, and we've said it a few times on this show, D-Train, you can fool the front office, you can fool the people, but you cannot fool the players. You cannot. Mm-hmm. And he saw something in you, and he saw something in that matchup, which mm-hmm. is, I always say, it's a glorified word. Uh, analytics is a glorified word for matchups, right? Mm-hmm. It's a glorified word for matchups, right? But he saw something in you, and he saw something in him where you guys could take advantage of it, and you did. Because you can't fool the players, and the players know. You know, it's crazy. I just I just met um, Sandoval and Griffin Canning, starters for the Los Angeles Angels. Both of these guys have talented stuff. But when I'm calling the game and I'm watching these kids throw like a talented Bobby Miller or a Walker Bueller that has elite stuff, man, they'll throw their they'll throw their nastiest breaking ball. Oh, oh. And it's like, well, where do you go from there? Like the hitter then saw your nastiest pitch. So now if you you if the, the count prolongs. How do you put them away? It's like, there's no, I told Bobby Miller, there is nothing wrong with 97 down and away. Everything doesn't have to be 100, man. Like, like everything doesn't have to be the nastiest slider you've ever seen. Because half the time, the hitters are going to take it. And now, no, you know, it's ball one. It's ball one. So that's the, that you got to learn the game within the game and, and how your stuff reacts to the hitter. But, Hell, what do I know? I'm, I, I was a Buick. These guys are Ferrari. So if, if you got a Ferrari, I figure you want to drive it fast. I, I think you want to drive. You want <laughs> no damn Buick, Nothing no. wrong with a Buick. I'm just saying, I, you know, nothing wrong with it. But you know, but again, but but again, it, it, these guys now they just all they the numbers can can make you want to be max effort all the time, and you don't have to get people out to be max effort all the time. No, you don't. You don't train. So, you are a member of this exclusive group, the Black Aces. If anybody, for those who don't know what the Black Aces is, it's black pitchers in Major League Baseball throughout history that have won 20 games. You won 22. Can you talk about how, to, how does that make you feel to be in, be in that group with a guy you named, Stewart, Dave Stewart, and by the blue, two of the greatest pitchers in Oakland's history. I I got to be honest, man. Y'all not going <laughs> to believe me, man. I feel so small around these dudes, man. Like, like, like I mean, Bob Gibson. I mean, Ferguson Jenkins. I mean, it, you know, Dave Stewart saved my – he don't – Stu don't like me when I get sensitive on him because he, he got – come on, man. Get away from me with all that sensitive stuff. But, like, he saved my life. And so to be in the same – 
breath is this man that I wanted to be like. It's truly, and that's one of those things where you don't really look back. You don't really, you know, take that all in until you're out of the game. And so I remember when I won 19 and the media said, uh, uh, Joe Facero, uh, a great writer down there. He's like, have you ever heard of the black aces? And I was like, I was embarrassed. I was like, no, I don't know what that is. And so he was like, no, African-Americans, you know, that, that won 20 games and it was started by Mudcat Grant. They're about to come out with the book that year. And so the, they're writing this book and they're like, hold up, this Willis kid has won 19 games. So I'm in my room in Washington, D.C. The phone rings and it's Mudcat. And, and next thing I know, Ferguson Jenkins calls me. And now I'm just nervous. Now I'm like, I can't sleep. I, you know what I mean? Because you might not win another game. You know what I mean? I think I had like six starts left. And uh, my team realized that uh, it was important not only to myself, but to our organization. Because at the time, the Marlins have never had a 20-game winner. So they, they go out and they score five runs in the first. And I'm on the bench like, that's enough damn runs. I want to go out here and get a feel of the game. You know what I mean? Like, you know, that's enough runs. But because they cared about me so much, like, they were determined to get me 20. And so when I did it, man, everybody gave me hugs, the Latin players, the white players, the black players, um, because they realized that it, it's historic, man. And, and I, and I cried like a baby, man, just cause I was so overwhelmed because I knew I wasn't never going to be a hall of famer, but I wanted to have some type of impact in the game. And so, you know, when that happened, man, I mean, the organization treated me well, your first class and my teammates treated me first class. And to see the joy in Mudcat in Ferguson and in Dave Stewart's face to say, hey, we're not the last of the Mohicans, so to speak, to be like the last African-Americans. We got this Willis. And CC called me. He said, cuz, you want 20 cuz? I got to win 20 cuz. Like, you know, and he was already establishing the big leagues. And so it was really cool to see after me, you know, CeCe and David Price be able to do it. And so now now that I meet the Marcus Strowmans and the Hunter Greens of the world, the first thing out of their mouth, the first thing out of their mouth is, I want to be a black ace, man. I want I want that. And so to me, that there's no monetary value for that, man, and I'm forever grateful for it. So Dave Stewart won it in 87, 1987. There was not a, another black ace added to the list until you in 2005. How about that? Yeah, I, I think his last, I think he won 20 in 94, 95. Well, yeah, he won it in 90. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, 90, okay, yeah, yeah. So again, 15 years later, you won it. It was nuts, man. And if you look at some of those guys up there, I mean, Ferguson, Fergie won it. Seven. I, he 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 won it five times, went to a war, fought in the war, came back and then won twenty twice again. I mean, these dudes are dogs, like you know what I mean? And so to be up there with the Vita Blues and and, and mention in the same breath, man, it, you know, it, it, it's it's really, really cool. And now my kids that they're older, they kind of realize it and they're like, Man, dad, that that year, that was a fun historic year for you and that the Marlins organization. Now your delivery. You're always known for your delivery. I see your logo has your delivery. <laughs> Give us a little something about how that came to be, because, you know, the way you did it, you had a lot of deception in there. Like you said, you didn't throw overly hard, but guys swung and missed at your fastball because of your deception. And I'm sure you had a high spin rate. Talk about how how Don Trill transformed with that delivery. Man, uh, playing strikeout, playing strikeout back in Alameda, man, playing strikeout and. the uh, 
I wanted to hit like Will Clark and, and throw like Dave Stewart, man. So, you know, just learning little nuances. And I started doing it at a very young age. And, and I, I noticed, and I mentioned this earlier about following swings, guys in the box, they just didn't feel comfortable when I did it. And so if you look at my body style, my, you know, I, my torso is this big, you know what I mean? And my, my booty, my booty's on my shoulders. So it was easy for me to kick my leg up and, and do that and repeat it, uh, you know, at a high level. And so I did it in the minor leagues and I did it in the major leagues and, and it just felt comfortable. But if you break down my mechanics though, frame by frame, especially when I was doing the high leg kick, I, I did a good job of getting into power positions to be able to throw the ball consistently. And so to be honest with you, when I got the yips is when they kind of started to kind of try to fine tweak my, my mechanics. And I, I just felt in between, if that makes sense. And so, but, but yeah, but, but again, you know, the way my body was structured, I, I, I can do it. And to be honest with you, like once a day, someone runs up on me talking about, can I do the leg kick? And when I do it, it's the most <laughs> anticlimactic stuff you've ever seen in your life. But people are so amazed. They're like, damn, you still can do it. So it, it's hey, pretty fun. How did hey. you, how, where was your booty on your back at? Did did you, I get, look, I, I can get my wallet like here, bro. I can get my wallet just like hey. that. Hey, can you grab your wallet like this? Can you grab your wallet like this? They, 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 look, they charged me half for my suit jacket, but double for my pants because my uh, ass is on my head. So, yeah, that's, that's high great. booty, high booty. Yeah. yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Deception, boy. That's all right. Mm-hmm. That deception. And I'll tell you what, having your back to the hitter, and especially a left-handed hitter for as long as you did, and then delivering that ball from behind them, that had to be really uncomfortable. You it was know, really uncomfortable. You know who gives me a lot of props, and he's one of the best, and I'm so happy he's finally on the Hall of Fame list, is Chase Utley. Chase mm-hmm. Utley, a guy that could hit lefties, he uh-huh. tells everybody, he said, Don Trell used to wear me out because I was effectively wild. Yeah. <laughs> that helped that I was effectively oh, wild. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, 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 and Jim Tomei, I got a Jim Tomei jersey that says it. And so, you know, these are guys that are heroes that hit lefties or righties. It doesn't matter. So, yeah, lefty on lefty, I really I really enjoyed that matchup. Mm-hmm. Well, D-Train, man, it's always a pleasure catching up to me. And hey, thank you. Oh, you go. You know, we had the Dream Series, which Major League Baseball puts on for MLB Develops over MLK Weekend in, Ta- in, in Tempe, Arizona, over at the Angels Complex, and D-Train comes through. A lot of the other players come through, and you guys have no idea how much that means to those little kids that look like us. They talk about it from the time you guys get there, you know, long after you guys are gone, and for you guys to take time out of your day. Like you say you got four kids. Yep. And that means the world to those other kids that you took time out of your day to come and give them some words of encouragement to continue on that long road of becoming, you know, a better baseball player, college, co- high school, I mean, professional, or even making it to the big league. So you guys, man, that means the world to us. And I just appreciate you. You keep doing what you do. I'm going to keep watching from afar. Yep. But if you ever need anything, brother, you can hit big bro up. Oh, you know, uh, always, always, always. Amen. Uh, love and respect for both you guys as men and as ball players. Uh, look forward to seeing y'all. You know, Latroy, when I saw you on the field, man, I said you and Marquise. So God bless you guys for taking the time for that to establish that because it's just important. But uh, again, keep kicking ass on these podcasts, man. And I'll see you guys down the road for our next little golf outing, man. Thank you guys for having me. My man. My Thank man. you for being on the Thick Skin Podcast.
Next Chapter Podcasts.